Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Natural Born Hunter podcast. And tonight, we're going to start out with this. Phil, what is better than getting 10% off on your Mountain Ops purchase? Getting 11% off your Mountain Ops purchase? That's true. And what's better than that? Well, we can walk this all the way up, but let's just go ahead and jump right up to 20% off, Will. Yes, let's not annoy our listeners by going <laughs> increment by increment till he gets 20%. If you want 20% off your next purchase from Mountain Ops, go to GetMountainOps.com, enter the coupon code NBH20 at checkout, and boom, you get 20% off. I encourage you to do so. I love my Mountain Ops. Hell yeah, they've got great proteins, pre-workouts, they got little... BCA pills that I love, multivitamins. I mean, if you want to get jacked, just take a little Yeti, and you will be well on your way. That's it, man. And you can't beat the new flavor of the Yeti. So check it out, everybody. Once again, NBH20 at checkout. Also, uh, we are able to provide to you a pretty sweet gift code from Maven Optics which is NBH gift. If you enter that at your checkout, they will send you some free Maven swag with your purchase. I mean, these are probably one of the hottest binoculars out there today. They're fully customizable, you know, when it comes to camo patterns, colors, and not only that, they're great glass. I'm going to have Phil tell you a little bit more about that because he had a really nice expensive pair of binoculars and he sold them and got himself yeah, some no, Mavens. I Absolutely, man. I mean, when you when you look at us as hunters, we want the best bang for our buck, right? And not everybody has fifteen hundred or two grand or twenty five hundred dollars to spend on a pair of optics. So why not get as close to the good the quality of what those two thousand dollar pair of binoculars are for half the price? You know, I mean, Mavens put a excellent product together. They've eliminated the middleman and brought you the hunter, you know, the best product they can put together and kept it in a reasonable price. So, you know, if you don't believe us, you know, they're out here, they're finishing first or second in, in all kinds of awards when they're, they're putting their binoculars out there for an independent review. They just took second in a recent review on their spotting scope. And that's, there was over 30 entries into that review. Uh, all the big boys were in there too, ladies and gentlemen. And Maven, yes, on their new spotting scope, took second place in there. I mean, if that doesn't tell you, you know, they're they're putting out top-notch quality products, you know, I don't know what is. Listen to me, it's money. Listen to Will, you know, they're giving us they're giving us and our listeners the opportunity to, you know, look if you if you're watching, check out this sweet hat I got on. I mean, that's a that's a, that's a sweet hat right there I got with my binos, right? So, check it out, man. They're going to kick you a free gift. I encourage you to support the companies that are really keeping the hunter in mind. That's right. So it's for Mountain Ops, NBH20 for 20% off your purchase at checkout. And for Maven, it's NBH Gift at checkout. Try them out. At Maven Let, built, yeah, mavenbuilt.com. That's right. That's right. So get on over there and try them out. And now go on and enjoy the show. Send, Send the boys and girls out of the room and step right up if you dare. We're about to take a trip from the mundane to the phantasmagorical and the macabre. Fucking Gregor, and you are listening to the Natural Born Hunter Podcast with your hosts, Will Bradley and Phil Mendoza. 
You know what, ladies and gentlemen? I was feeling a little bit tired tonight. <laughs> I was feeling a little down. <clears throat> feeling a little down. Just didn't have the energy levels required uh, to really do a great job at this show, which I take a lot of pride in. Um, you know, I've got the kid at home. Hasn't been sleeping a lot over the past weekend. Waking up early for work, working late. But you know what? After hearing that intro, something has been awakened inside of me. Something deep, <laughs> something raw, something visceral. That now, I feel like not only can I do this show, but I could work out and take on the world while doing this show. And that's the kind of effect that our guest has when you watch him, whether it's a video or audio or on his YouTube page, whatever it is he's putting out, he will set a reaction <laughs> deep inside of you somewhere and bring it out. So please join Phil and I, which by the way, congratulations, Phil, on your recent victory in Colorado and Train to Hunt. Thank you. And give a big welcome to the one, the only, Tex fucking Grebner. Welcome to the show, Tex. Hey, it's me. It's myself. And, you know, nice to see you guys. I've been a fan of you guys. I'm pretty sure that I met Phil at the ATA show. I know for a fact that I met Will at the ATA show. Um, strolling by the Mountain Ops booth, and here was Yukon Cornelius. And we kind of hit it off right away because we were talking about superfood and uh, my recipe for eating kale, which, by the way, real quick, the only way to eat kale that doesn't involve bacon grease is two Greek yogurts, two bananas, two cups of skim milk, and wilt the kale in a steam pan before you put it in the blender. That way you've got this nice little like vegan blood. And uh, it tastes like bananas and vanilla Dannon 100 fat treated. The reason that I call it vegan blood is, well, you know, all life is sacred, so nobody gets out of this without, without blood on their hands, whether, you know, whether it is green blood, chlorophyll, or whether it's red blood, you know, all life is sacred and all life deserves respect. So it's kind of my own joke of, like a superfood smoothie that I call vegan blood because it's kale based. Now, Tex, let's let's get right into this. You are the kind of guy who your appearance doesn't quite match your intellect, if you know what I mean. Like people, I have a feeling, underestimate what's going on in that head of yours. Well, you know, if I was as dumb as I looked, I couldn't button my shirt in the morning. <laughs> so, it's, it, here's, here's my first question, Tex. Is phantasmagorical a real word? Yes, phantasmagorical is, in fact, a real word. If anybody's familiar with the works of Edgar Allan Poe, uh, um, he uses the word phantasmagorical quite a bit. Um, the way that the best way that I could define the meaning of phantasmagorical is basically 
a spiraling vision similar to an absinthe trip. And the reason that I use it in conjunction with the outdoor world is because all of us whitetail hunters have laid in bed half asleep staring at a dark ass ceiling with visions of deer dancing through our heads and we're half asleep and we're imagining ourselves in that tree stand opening day and there's this swirling wheel of deer that are walking through the darkness that we couldn't see but we're having visions of them in our heads and then the sun comes up and burns the phantasmagoria away and we're either left with success or in most cases there ain't shit walking down your trail on opening morning <laughs> and you're left with disappointment why but yes I... phantasmagorical <laughs> is in fact a real word why do i feel like you've been in my tree stand on opening day before tex <laughs> because i'm the guy with a hunting show that don't never kill nothing <laughs> How how popular? Let's get into that by the numbers. How popular is a hunting show where the guy doesn't kill anything? Um, you know, I have. Here's here's the deal. Let let's look at guys like Michael Waddell, for instance. He's got his brand on everything, right? And good for him. Is back in the old days, you had to be stellar before a brand would actually pick you up me on the other hand I grew up watching these guys and I wanted to do what they did but I came into it in an age where digital cameras were very accessible YouTube was in its infancy and I decided screw it I'm gonna make my own outdoor show it's my empire of mud but damn it, it's mine. <laughs> now let's let's talk numbers though on that Empire of Mud. What what are we looking at total views? Oh gosh, I couldn't tell you. I know that we've talked about it before. Couple hundred, ten, couple thousand. What what are we? Ten million. Ten ten million. Somewhere in there, I think that sounds about right. You're gonna make me actually check my analytics. Again. Yeah, you should go check your analytics. Let's get let's get an official number tossed out there. I mean, uh, an Empire of now Dirt's great, mind, but if no one's watching, it's not worth much. You know, at the same time, I once heard integrity described as what you do when nobody's watching. So I mean, I do. I do net a profit off of YouTube but I did it for free for long enough that you know I would do it regardless okay yeah it's a labor of love I'm going to send you and granted compared to the amount of subscribers that I have versus the amount of views that I get on my videos. By the way, if you don't want to miss out on your Texas Grabner Outdoors Saturday morning cartoon awesomeness, make sure to check my channel every Saturday. I try and put out a three video deal where rather than it being a, you know, a half an hour episode, because everybody likes different shit, 
I try and put out three videos that are about five to seven <clears> minutes. <throat> Sometimes they run about 15, you know, every Saturday. Kind of like, you know, you grew up watching, you know, your hunting shows on TNN Outdoors, you know, every Saturday morning. So I figure it, <clears throat> it gives me a week, and I've got a weekend to backlog videos for the next week. And anyways, I dropped my actual number of views on my channel down to you there because while I am very literate, I'm not going to bullshit you. I can't even read that number, okay? I'm very much literate, but I am not good at math and I am not good with numbers. Have you looked at the number yet, Phil? Yeah. I was mm -hmm. going to have you throw out a guess before. I wouldn't have guessed that. Would you? No. I mean, <clears throat> I've watched my Saturday morning cartoon awesomeness re recently. And, uh, you know, like you say, Tex, you, or, or, you know, you're, you're talking about a guy who doesn't kill nothing. Man, it's freaking entertainment every Saturday, you know. So to see that there's 11 plus million views. That number would be 11,018,291, by the way, Tex. Okay, fantastic. That, that's pretty good, man. That's pretty good for a, a Midwestern boy who can shoot a 100-pound bow and, 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 and you know, calls his, his, YouTube, uh, his, his YouTube channel Cartoon Awesomeness, man. That's pretty damn good. You know, and this is... Uh, seeing as we're going to, I'm going to get you the explicit rating right here because, <laughs> you know, why do I call it the Saturday morning cartoon awesomeness? Because I'm fucking animated. <clears throat> yes, you are. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of passion behind what you do, Tex. There's a lot of love behind it. How, how much time would you say you put into a week in getting this all together? Um... I love it so much that I don't bother to keep track of it. But I've gotten pretty good to where I've been cutting digital video for long enough that if I get everything right on the first take, that, you know, it's basically a lot of storytelling, right? You, you have this story in your mind and you've basically got to convey it. And the way that I do my videos, I'm kind of offsetting your question a little bit, but the way that I do my videos is in MLA, essay type format. You've got an opening, you've got your, you know, body of your paragraphs, and then you've got your falling action, and then you've got your conclusion, you know? So basically, the way that I treat my videos is visual essay essays like you would write an essay in high school or college so I mean you basically gotta have a story in your head and tell it with passion but like to answer the question about how much time I put in every week I'd say maybe about an hour a day ish I don't know so it's mostly consistency then hour a day versus you know a whole lot at once yeah, that depends. I mean, we're not counting travel time. Are we counting travel time or, you know? No, nah, time right? on the scene. Time on scene. I'm a big fan of being the one-take wonder because I don't really... 
Okay. I'm with remember you. How we, remember how we've talked about Dusty Rhodes and, and Jake the Snake and all that yes. from the performance side of things? Yes, I do. I, I, back in high school, I was very into the musical scene. I was very into the fine arts. And so I ended up doing some film classes when I was in junior college. And so, I mean, the gist of it is I perform because I had to learn how at an early age how to do a live performance. So even if you fuck it up, as long as you keep tripping along and it looks natural, you're okay. Now, you can't do that with shit like Shakespeare that's completely common knowledge. If you fuck up Shakespeare, they'll hang your ass from a light post. Do you do Shakespeare often, Tex? <clears throat> no, because I ain't that good. I feel like you could pull it off. Well, you know, you're just saying that because, you know. I've seen you in the leather pants. I feel like you okay, could do a little okay. Shakespeare Hold in the on. park. Okay, I'll... We'll see how much I can do from memory here. To be or not to be, that is the question. Whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, or to take up arms against them, amidst the sea of trouble, to die, to sleep... No more. <clears throat> I think that's pretty damn fine Shakespeare text. We've never had Shakespeare recited on this show. Meanwhile, I've got a Duramax diesel driving down the road in front of my porch here. Hey, you know what? Shakespeare fans come in all shapes and sizes. Um, speaking of the whole performance art side of things, like, I... I'm from a small town in the Midwest, in Illinois, okay? So I grew up going to fairgrounds. I grew up going to, you know, small town carnivals. And one of the ways that I learned how to perform, because there ain't nothing new, right? Jake the Snake says there ain't nothing new. You know, you got to know where to steal good material. That's true. Where, where are your so inspirations? Where you learn how to perform is from watching these sideshow type ringmasters where it's like, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, step right up, blah, blah, blah. You've got to bring them in. You've got to have fire it because... You're getting them to suspend their disbelief. The bearded man. World's worst. I know, I stole that line from uh, some comedian. But the, <coughs> the fact is, you know, you've got to have passion and you've got to really, for lack of better words, have a gimmick, okay? When you're going to be performing on camera, you've got to have a gimmick. I mean, Will, you've got a gimmick. Phil, you've got a gimmick. You might not know it, but you've got it. Because 
Hey, Will, before I go into this, do you have that soundbite clip from uh, Jim Ross and Stone Cold talking about Dusty Rhodes? Yeah, I got it somewhere here. While you're queuing that up, because I think that they explain it real good, but while you're queuing that up, I'll finish the statement that I've got on the whole building a gimmick <laughs> deal, because we all know reality. We all live in reality, okay? People don't want to see the scared, self-loathing, you know, born-again fat kid that I am. Nobody wants to show up to see that. What people want is they want some type of larger-than-life. They don't want to see the scared dude, okay? They don't want to see normal. They don't want to see bland. What they want is they want Davy Crockett where it's a normal man that just has an excess, a deplorable excess of charisma, where it's like, I can slide down a lightning bolt and whip my weight in wildcats. <laughs> you know what, Tex? I believe that. I believe you can do that. <laughs> I don't know. It, at least lately, since I lost 100 pounds over the past couple, three years at least, I walk around about 195 now and about 16% body fat. So at least it's a considerable amount less of wildcats. But you know, people don't sh people don't show up to see the normal, okay? You want normal, you can look in the mirror. You, <laughs> when you want to be entertained, you want Davy Crockett, right? I can slide down a lightning bolt and whip my weight in wildcats, blah, blah, blah. You know, go ahead, if you got it ready, go ahead and play the clip about Dusty Rhodes. God rest his soul. Will do. Oh, but the thing about the dream, and you and I talked about this in the big picture, the, the best stars I've ever been around since I, I got in the business in 74 were natural extensions of their own personality. So they, didn't have, they didn't have to remember who they were. They were, they were who they were 24-7. They just turned the volume up a little bit or, or, or geek it up a little, man. And Dusty was, if you could ride down the street, me and him go to, uh, to Jimbo's Barbecue in Tampa in his red Ford uh, F-250, it was the same dude that was doing promos. Right. He was laughing and cutting up and, and singing. He thought he could sing. He had a horrible voice. But he'd take a lyric or four or five words out of a Willie Nelson song and he would make a promo out of it. He never wrote nothing down. He felt it. Everything was feel. He felt it. Right. So let's talk about that, Tex. Let's go into that. How how are is the personality you have cultivated a natural extension of yourself? I hang on. Got another Duramax diesel coming down the road. Okay. Car game off. Okay. Coast is clear. Anyhow, so it's. Tex is, is a part of me because I'm a very multifaceted person. So I portray on film, it's part of me. It is who I am. It's 100% legit. But it's definitely the person that I wish that I was. It's not so much a fake it till you make it type deal, but it's more of a... 
the only time that you can be brave is if you're actually afraid. So what are you afraid of? A lot of things. I'm scared of tigers in the jungle, but I ain't scared of sharks in the jungle. <laughs> so. Tigers tigers in the ocean don't scare me, and sharks in the jungle don't scare me. So let's get back to that weight loss. 100 pounds, three years. What inspired the weight loss, and how did you do it? I did it in about a year. Well, okay, what inspired me was July 2nd was the day that I had a firearms accident. And it was really the day that my life turned into a damn circus. And it everything just came to a head and my life spiraled out of control. So every year, July 2nd would come around and I would just be reminded of the greatest shame of my life. At which point, I decided that I was going to make July 2nd the day that I turned it around. After, you know, a long adult life of career obesity and, and chain smoking. I also just recently managed to quit smoking. But anyways, what the, the thing about fitness is... It's not something that you do. It's something that you live. But lately, there's been this whole deal with fat shaming, okay? I've had enough shame. In I don't need shame. People don't need shame. They don't need to be told that they're heavy. They need to be told, I'm with you. We can do something about this. I will help you. I will teach you. You don't help people by shaming them. You help people by inspiring them. Because And with the whole hunter-athlete deal, I, what caused me to do it was a combination of two things. The first being that I picked a day that I was going to start and never look back. And it's hard, okay? Detoxing from 6,000 calories of straight sugar is hard. You would think you're quitting heroin, okay? There is crying. There is tears. There are shakes. You think you're going to die. And it's an emotional roller coaster when you finally start learning how to eat like a normal person. But we were talking earlier about the labels that people throw on to the hunter-athlete deal. And, you know, I'm very much, very much into the idea of Victorian-era masculinity, you know, from stuff like Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's Lost World, where hunting is something that's very masculine. Don't get me wrong. Hunting is part of our humanity, okay? We're going to get the explicit rating here again because there's certain things that I believe define us as human beings. Okay, we make love, we make war, we make music, we create art, we worship things that we cannot hope to understand, okay?
And because we pro we we basically fuck for reasons beyond <laughs> simple procreation, we hunt for reasons beyond simple sustenance. You know, it's certain things that I believe define us in our humanity. And so it <clears throat> to say that hunting is something that's masculine isn't necessarily true. But to get back to the original point of what we're talking about here in my physical transformation, here's the deal. The Victorian era, like 1890s, to 1910 type golden age pre-war steampunk type era of literature and of society the definition of a sportsman was an athlete engaged in outdoor pursuits such as hunting fishing boxing wrestling swordsmanship and horsemanship that was what the definition of a sportsman was an athlete engaged in outdoor pursuits. And so I don't feel that the idea of putting labels on something is all that important because in our mass-produced culture, in our, for lack of better words, in our tree stand widget, not knocking the compound bows, but in our popular hunting culture, okay, guess what? I was able to kill whitetail when I was 350 pounds, okay? It happens. You don't have to be fit to be a hunter, but it helps. You only have your health, okay? You only have your health. You don't have to be fit. You don't have to be fit to be a hunter, but guess what? If you become fit, if you take that journey and stay on it, you will never ever fucking regret it because it's a holistic experience. And so you don't necessarily have to be fit to be a hunter. But fit, according to the original definition, is kind of a requirement for being a sportsman in the true sense of the word. So your I one of your recent videos, Tex, you you, you put up some some your gear list again and talking about losing weight and fitness and uh, and, and how you're preparing I mean how has your preparation evolved since you started your weight loss kinda uh, the um, process I think that one of the best one of the best deals is first of all gyms are expensive gyms are intimidating gyms give you an excuse okay because gyms generally speaking at least in my part of the country have a closing time and time is money so guess what you know what's good beach body programs home workout programs where you can suck at it until you get good at it where nobody is watching you but you the trouble with that is you don't have a cheering section to motivate you but at the same time, I went when I got on this deal here, when I decided that I was going to do it, I, I went down to my local fitness-slash-sporting goods store, and I measured out my living room. 
And you know that three-quarter inch puzzle mat? I figured yeah. up how many of those it was going to take to completely carpet my living room floor. Turn it so into that I gym. could do... Yeah, in my living room. Also, you ever walk barefoot around a house that's got nothing but hardwood floors? You stomp out your heels. So it's almost more of a comfort thing. But I'm not kidding you. I probably sunk about $500 worth of puzzle mat right there on my hardwood floor so that I wouldn't have to worry about dropping kettlebells, dropping barbells, dropping dumbbells. And I could do plyometrics right there in my living room where I'd come home, no excuses, it's go time, you know. And you can work out all you want, but if you don't eat right, it's kind of a triangle, you know. You got to eat right, you got to work out safely, and you've also got to make sure that you get enough rest. But as far as like the transit uh, into fitness, I tell you who is really good, and that is Tony Horton, okay? Tony Horton from P90X is great. Why? Because you're sweating buttermilk, and this dude is a passionate, motivating person that genuinely cares. He is in phenomenal shape. And one thing that Tony Horton is really good at when you're trying to get involved mm -hmm. in fitness, and self-improvement is being strong enough to be kind, okay? Being strong enough to be kind is something that is so important to the perception of fitness to other people because if you walk around with your chest puffed out like you're some kind of bad motherfucker, and you look down on people and you treat people badly, helping them. You have to be strong enough to be kind. And so, basically, I don't go to the gym, I work out. I don't go to the high school track. There is a patch of road that I run, okay? Happens to be right near where I hunt. Now, I got people honking at me and trying not to hit me when I'm running down the road. And there's hills on it. So I don't have a fucking cheering section. I don't have a cheering section. Nobody watches me run. I tell you who does watch me run, and this is going to sound spiritual and weird, but who does watch me run? The fucking deer. Every day. I run right past where those deer bit, and my scent blows into the woods. And I hope, just hope, that come October when those deer catch my scent, God tells them that I put in the work and that I'm decent enough that they might want to fucking give up to me. I like that. I like that. I know. It's Let me know how that works. <laughs> subdued. Subdued by your scent. All right, Tex. So you're a big fan of the home workouts and the beach body, P90X and all that. But recently you've decided to undertake a new challenge when it comes to your fitness. Why don't we talk a little bit about that? 
Oh, you mean the uh, train to hunt challenge? That's exactly what I mean. Okay, I'm gonna level with you, because I, I don't have any credibility to actually talk about this because I haven't competed in it yet. When I originally found out about it, it seemed like the craziest, most stupid thing that anyone would ever do. Like, what's like seriously for real rolling your eyes like you're fucking crazy what's wrong with you but at the same time you know it's kinda like bull riding there ain't who would who would come up with something like bull riding it, it's the biggest dick contest by the end of it you know and I'm not trying to insult the competition I'm just coming at it from a competitor's point of view that I haven't drunk the Kool-Aid yet, you know? Like, but don't get me wrong, I ain't got a problem with bull riding. Y you know what I mean? Where it's just like, this, it's, it's something that I think is gonna be really cool, but I think that it's coming at it more from a competition standpoint. So, to an extent. So so you're also saying so I'm also saying what so you're also saying to win an event like that you have to be hung I suppose at least psychologically way to go Phil you know I'm and I, I don't want to insult the competition because I'm nervous as a dog shitting razor blades about it because I don't want to suck but what what I I guess what I'm getting at from an outside perspective on the hunter athlete thing is that there's there's a lot in the competition requirements where it's just like that's crazy okay that's crazy it's like when I said why the hell would anybody action it well okay when I first started talking to you about it I said are you saying that dudes actually run with a hundred pounds on their back. Yep. remember yep. and you were like yeah and I was like that sounds fucking insane why would anybody ever do that you know and let me let me bring it to something else here like you're big into CrossFit right mm -hmm. CrossFit is a great workout the trouble that I have and I don't look down upon it this is just a critique in general of CrossFit in competition. CrossFit is a workout. When you bring it into a competition, to an extent you bastardize it and you end up cutting corners that can lead to injury if you're training every day with improper form to get the speed to get you know what I mean? It's like the difference between swinging and then doing a strict pull-up. You know what I mean? So, so lunatics with packs on their backs. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'm all about it. So, so how how have you been preparing, and and how how off the the deep end have you gotten in your preparation? How far off the deep end, I should say. Um, right now, let's see. I started out by running a mile. Okay. First of all, I started out on this shit by actually making the decision that I was going to quit smoking. Okay, so that's step number one is 
quit smoking. And then I made up my mind that I was going to do it. And that's the first step. Okay. The first step is believing in yourself. That's the most important part. Because if you can't see yourself doing it, then you're never going to do it. I mean, I'm not trying to be all metaphysical about your question, Phil, but when Will was originally talking to me about it, I was like, God, that just sounds crazy. Like, why would anybody do that? And then I thought, well, you know what? It sounds just crazy enough that I'm, I would be involved in it. Now, as far as my preparation goes, I started out running a mile and I ran a mile every day for a seven day week no weight on my back and then I ran two miles every day for a week and then I ran three miles every day for a week and then I ran four miles every day for a week and then I ran five miles every day for a week and then I put 30 pounds in a backpack and I ran one mile every other day and I ran a mile every day in between that with no weight and I evolved my way back up with 30 pounds until I got to three miles at which point now I'm at 50 pounds and I'm up to two miles every other day and we actually were late getting this started because I was like well just bear with me Phil I'm sorry I gotta run in so now every other day I'm up to three miles with you know nothing on my back and two miles with you know every other day with 50 pounds on my back but as far as preparation goes one thing and will will get a kick out of this or at least your woman will um yoga okay fucking yoga there ain't no better way to get your calves stretched out than downward dog. Tex, when are we going to see a TGO episode of you doing yoga? Um, well, uh, I don't know when this is actually going to air, but I've got a video for Tex Grebner Outdoors um, that's going to drop on, on Saturday. So whenever that is, I also I do have a video of me doing yoga beforehand. Like I've had a video of me doing yoga and um, and shooting a ninety pound recurve while I'm doing yoga positions like Warrior One, Warrior Two, Reverse Warrior, all that shit. We're not gonna be seeing Tex and tights doing yoga though, right? That's not what that's not what's in store, right? Oh no, I mean it's camo um camo tights. Camo shorts and a um 
I think I had uh, either heat gear or some Nike shit on. Because Will's, Will's a fan of the tights, and and uh, I'd rather see women in tights than men in tights, personally. You know, you know Phil, I saw Ben Will Greenfield. Will doesn't discriminate. I saw Ben Greenfield <laughs> wearing tights at his train to hunt event out there in Utah. Yeah, we talked about that this weekend. You ain't gonna get, Who did? I, I'm pretty sure that it's going to be a little bit too hot for me to actually wear leather pants to the PA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it yeah. Might, be, might be a little hot. I'm going to tell you what. I was just down there at uh, the Ambridge Archery Club down there in Baden, PA, and they have an unbelievable setup down there. I mean, it, it is fantastic. Great volunteers. What you're telling me is the course is really going to suck. Oh, it's, gonna be it's, a, it's hilly as hell. There are going to be hills, brother. A lot of hills in there. But you know what, though? They have a nice place you can get some food, a bar, you know, place to get out of the sun. It's a great facility. And, yeah, it's going to be... It's going to challenge you. It's going to challenge your archery skills and your fitness. It's going to get well, I suppose it's handy that I got that chip on my shoulder about not running on a track. Yeah, that will definitely come in handy. And actually, Phil, you just uh, won the Colorado event. You got any words of wisdom for Tex? Um, you're shooting a recurve, right, Tex? Yeah. See, that's... Yeah, trad life, bro. <laughs> um, you know what, man? I mean, it, here's the honest truth. <clears throat> I, I get, I, I don't know, I, I get five to seven messages every week from, some, from people on, on social media asking me for tips or questions or, or hints or things I, I, I can help them with to prepare for their first event. <clears throat> And until you've actually competed in one, it's so unique to anything else I've I've done that it's very hard to uh, it's very hard to explain. And especially, you know, I mean, you shooting a trad bow, I'll tell you that you're gonna you're gonna have some benefits on some of the shots. You know, like the five second shot, for example, that should be zero problem. You'll probably get the shot off in two seconds. You know, as to, as opposed to a guy with a compound that's got a Draw back, hit anchor, find the find the peep, you know, align the, the pin, and, and get the shot off in five seconds. Um, you're not going to have a problem there. The I don't know how he does the the draw and holds for the for the recurve guys. I'm not sure on that. Um, <clears throat> but on the shooting, I mean, it, it's shooting. I, if you can shoot from you know, if you can shoot from your knees, if you can shoot draw back and from your knees and get up and move to a position and hit a target, it's 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 shots that you might encounter more spot and stock style hunting so that on the shooting side it's it's shooting you know yard is judging you know if you're shooting traditional or instinctive then then that really doesn't even come to play either you're you're uh, you, you know you you go about it a different way but as far as the meat pack uh you just got to get ready to deal with some a, a shitty 15 20 25 minutes 30 minutes whatever the course happens but you just got to grit your teeth and and strap up your pack tight and and go and don't stop i mean it's it's one of those things that i i can't explain that to people i can't help people with that because some people they can just they can just deal with a whole bunch of suck better than other people can and and if you happen to be able to move at a quick pace while you're just 
in pain and, and, and dealing with it, then you're going to be all right, you know. But that that there's there's nothing in my opinion if you're preparing with weight on your back and that's all you can be doing that that's that's the best thing you can do and like you said Tex getting off uh, of a of a, a high school track is probably the, the next best thing you can do because getting some terrain getting some elevation getting some some different contours um, all those things help every every venue is different every location I've been to that's that's at a different location it's there's nothing similar from one place to another this last weekend was one of the tougher meat packs I think I've done just because you know it, it you know 1.6 and change miles or whatever it was but right out the gate you're going you're climbing a hill and and you're climbing for I, I think it took us eight eight or nine minutes till we get to the top of the hill and that's you got about 150 200 yards to get to the hill and then you're going straight up so there was some zigzags in there but once people got to the top, if they wasted too much energy getting to the top, well, it was it was flat for a while and then downhill, but it didn't matter. They were spent, and that's where pacing yourself, learning what your how your body handles certain scenarios, different terrain. That's you just got to get out and try different areas, break break up, you know, give some variation, I guess. And then in the challenge course, again with the trad guys, it's 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 harder to explain because you're shot sequence and your form and your body alignment is different than that of a compound under duress um, and it might you know it and if you happen to be able to snap shoot well with a with a trad bow you'd probably be even better off because getting that quick shot off uh, is going to benefit you because you're not going to be dealing with the expanding chest expanding and contracting chest with the shots so I guess it, I just encourage people to try it it's different is it a little bit crazy yeah a little bit but you know what it, it's fun the, the 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 people there are great, and I don't know. I just try to tell people don't go into an event like that expecting to set break records and and light the world on fire because until you learn how to do that event, uh, there, there is a learning curve involved. Oh, I'm sure. Um, speaking of which, um, one thing that I'm expecting to be an issue as far as the traditional side of things is mouth breathing because if you anchor on the corner of your mouth and you are and this is something that I found out early in my preparation if you anchor on the corner of your mouth one way and you get done running or doing the challenge and you go to take a shot and your mouth isn't actually closed and your mouth breathing because you're standing still, your point of impact with a traditional bow is going to be a lot different, you know. One thing that I suppose it may be a little bit of an advantage, I doubt it, but I go The first stretch of my run literally is a hill. You know, it's a hill, it's then a straightaway, downhill, and then up another hill, and then a straightaway and down again, you know. That, so, that I think will definitely help. You know, training in different environments, like you say, not just on a track or in the gym, you know, getting out there and actually putting some miles on the road with the pack probably one of the best things you can do for your preparation you know actually go through what it's like to shoot under duress 
you know, and people like there there's a concept that I want to cover here on this. And that's a, a Spanish term. Oh. So this may be a Bill's wheelhouse. But um, because I'm big into Hemingway, okay. The moment of truth is originally derived from bullfighting. It's when the matador delivers the killing blow to the bull. So he's got to get that killing sword in between the vertebrae of that bull's neck to kill it, okay? Whether you agree with bullfighting or not, I don't care. We're just discussing concept here. The moment of truth is when life and death hang in the balance. You basically have a brick on the side of a pan scale, and you've got to figure out how many feathers it takes of these tiny, tiny details that you get right when that arrow is in the air. Feathers on a scale. How many feathers does it take to balance the brick and then tip the scale in your favor with these thousand upon thousand of tiny details that go into that killing shot or the wind being right or your aim not being right, you know? That's where the moment of truth like you've probably watched my archery video from this year that I put out it's like two and a half hours god but I wanted to do something that was a full-on documentary straight through you know and Phil laughs about it I know because he's seen some of the the snippet clips out of that where I'm like you guys see the guts and you see the glory but you guys don't never see the guy talking about dropping a camera out of a tree stand five times but, you know, and Western hunting, Western hunting is sexy to guys like me and Will. Because there ain't nothing sexier than a screaming bull elk, okay? And this goes back to a literary reference of mine from Jeffrey Chaucer's Canterbury Tales, where Canterbury Tales is basically about going to visit the cathedral at Canterbury. Well, the English countryside is covered with saint shrines, okay? But why go to this particular one? Because we all grow up with local heroes. We want to go somewhere new. We want to go somewhere that is exotic to us. So there ain't nothing sexier to a Midwestern or an Eastern hunter than the idea of packing up a mountain to a screaming bull elk. You know what ain't sexy to a Midwestern bow hunter? Sitting in a tree when it's 10 below zero and you are crying and screaming into the damn wind because your hands are starting to go numb no matter how thick your gloves are. Yeah, that, that cold in the tree stand, it, that bites you and you can't do nothing about it. You just got to grit your teeth and get through it. That's kind of like the meat pack it trained to hunt. Similar. Speaking of the meat pack, one strategy in my training that I have learned 
and it's not necessarily a bodily form of put your head down and do it. But one thing that I've noticed is from a spiritual standpoint, if I keep breathing when I'm on one of these runs, if I keep breathing and I let my muscles activate, as long as I'm breathing and as long as I'm moving forward, I'm getting it done. But when you start thinking about it, you start burning those muscles out way too fast. Because let's face it, and I'm at a point in fitness now that I can say this. One mile? Screw that. That ain't nothing. One mile? Fuck it. Okay, yeah, we'll go out. We'll run one mile. Okay, when we get into the two or the three, now we're talking about actually getting into Suckville. Okay? Um, I don't know. Ask Will about 200 pounds for three quarters of a mile. That wasn't even a mile, but that was 200 pounds. Was that Suckville, Will? Yeah, today I would say that's still the worst of all, of all the ones we've done. Oh, now keep in mind, I'm talking about not running with any weight when I'm. Oh talking yeah. About yeah, it's 200 pounds at that three quarters of a mile. That was that was brutal. Phil, yeah, Phil couldn't even get off the damn ground. Bows in their <laughs> hands. Small man. <laughs> that still <laughs> makes me laugh. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, you should go ahead, Will. One thing I wanted to talk about too is because I know we're we're cutting, we're going to be cutting close on time here. Is I watched that Michael Waddell video finally that you sent me, and for about the first minute he had me. You know, he had me one over. I was liking what he was saying. But then he took some weird turn about gearing things down. <clears throat> right? And all of a sudden, it was kind of like, geez, Mike, hike the skirt a little bit. Let's toughen up here, man. Like, why is he wagging his finger? Like, people ask me, all this whole thing was people ask me all the time how to become a professional hunter, a TV hunter. And then he never got around to actually answering that question with anything of a helpful answer. Did you see that text, that video? Yeah, I did. And I think that, and here's, here's the thing. He is of the Eastern bow hunter type, okay? And you got to remember that he's coming at things from a, from, well, he's coming at things from the same way that I am in the sense of, remember how I said that I killed deer when I was 350 pounds? Everybody yeah. can do it, okay? You don't have to be fit in order to do it. But in my opinion, you'll never regret being fit and doing it, you know? And so, I think that, first of all, I've had my name drugged through the mud enough that it would be very poor professional courtesy for me to be here and just completely disagree with somebody that isn't here to actually face me and defend themselves. You know, I get that done to me all the time, okay? <clears throat> so I won't be like, oh, he's this, he's this, you know. But I think, I think the place that he's coming from in that gear it down is a little bit of a 
I don't want to say a place of fear, but the the fact is, the hunter athlete movement is traveling so fast that it is seeming a little bit of an elitist occupation where you know where it's almost like you can't do this if you're not built this way if you don't train this much oh you can do it it's just gonna be harder if you're not but also you know like I say I think that he's a good person I think that he's got his good message, but I also think that he's kind of got in a position <clears throat> where he, we are on the cusp of a new era of reclaiming our identity as sportsmen, where drinking beer after you get out of the tree stand isn't going to be acceptable anymore. Because we always talk about redefining, like from the, the Cameron Haynes Fear is a Liar video, or whatever video that he did, where we're redefining the popular perception of what we are as hunters. And I just think that we need to reconnect with that idea of a sportsman being an athlete engaged in outdoor pursuits. You know, so I think that this new era of sportsmen doesn't necessarily fit in with the old era of branding and marketing, okay? Because the most important thing that I can leave anybody from with this podcast is a story that when I first got into this, I was looking for sponsors, right? I was looking for sponsors. And so I called up Tink's Bucklure, okay? I sent him my videos. Terry Rom called me back and he told me, listen, kid, I like you. You're funny. I like what you're doing. You're like the Howard Stern of hunting. But I'm going to be honest with you, okay? Ain't a company in the world going to deal with you. So you either need to clean up your act or you need to be prepared to go it alone. But no matter what, follow your dreams, but be prepared to deal with the consequences. And that's what I do, okay? That's what I do. And so, in my opinion, I ain't got a problem with what he said or what he means. What I think he has a problem with is the constant shoving it in people's faces of look at me, look at me, look at me. Because even before the hunter-athlete movement became big, we still had people that were getting sponsorships that didn't have a clue about the gear that they were selling to other people. It's just more pronounced because the more apples you put in a barrel, standard deviation says the better chance you got of finding a bad apple in that barrel. That's very true. So, I, I don't know, man. I, 
you know, Tex, you alluded to something a little bit ago. You said that hunting the West is sexy, right? It's 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 what most Eastern hunters want to do. And knowing that, like you also mentioned before, you don't have to be in great shape to be able to hunt. You know, you can hunt in any physical condition you are. But if the majority of hunters are in the Midwest and the East hunting whitetail, and the majority of those hunters dream about heading out west to hunt things like elk and sheep and, and mountain goats. <clears throat> if you think that you're going to take your average Joe physical preparation level guy from uh, a lower elevation and you're going to come up to 7, 8, 12, 13,000 feet and tackle the mountains and get after those elk on your feet and be able to harvest one and pack it out, I'm going to tell you that you're either, you're, you're, you're in for a rude awakening if you're going to come out here and not be physically prepared. Now, can you do it? It's going to be miserable. You may get altitude sickness. Uh, you probably going to hurt yourself. And so, for him to tell people to to dial it back or, or you know whatever the phrase he used, you know, it's all in what you want to get out of it. it. You know, first thing when I talk to people when they're you know, Midwest, Eastern guys, they, they drew a tag in, in New Mexico or, or Colorado for elk, you know. What's the first thing they start doing? They start getting in physical, they start looking at their physical preparation because they know, they don't have to, they, you know, they don't have to be blind to it. They know they're going to have to get in better shape. They know they're going to have to deal with altitude. They know they're going to be hiking mountains. So for him to tell you to dial it back, that's the lazy approach, in my opinion. And I think that Michael Waddell has done a lot of great things for hunting. And, and I'm not, I mean, if he was right here in front of me, I would have the same conversation with him because I would tell him, he's been on elk hunts before. Although, how many do-it-yourself backcountry-style hunts he's been on, I don't know. I know a lot of those old Primo's videos and a lot of the other style of, of uh, real tree outdoors and all that. Guy, those, were, those were outfitted hunts with people doing a lot of the work for you. You know, I'm just calling a spade a spade. I'm not... I'm not, uh, I hunt private property some, I've been with outfitters before, and I do a lot of stuff of my own. So I've, I've experienced all types of hunting. But I'll tell you that if you think you're going to come out west and be lazy and do it half-assed, stay home because you're going to get hurt. You're not going to enjoy your hunt. You're going to waste your money. So that, that's my two cents on it. I, I, I thought it was a little bit, um, I don't know, I thought it was just, it was an interesting comments because... If somebody, if, if a young lady wants to hunt and, and, and shoot a moose and strap a moose rack on her, on her back and, and you happen to have to cross a river to get to where you're going, well, you're just going to decide to leave the moose rack on the other side of the river because you don't want to cross it back across? Come on. I mean, you know, he seems like we're, we're fantasizing these hunts. And I can tell you from being on backcountry style hunts, there's no fantasizing anything. Having to hug a log and on all fours and, and, and shimmy your way across a river because it's, it's roaring water, there's nothing fake about that. You know, th th those are things that you do come across when you're hunting anywhere off more than a couple hundred yards off the road, out of your vehicle. So, you know, anybody that, that's hunted the west, that's gotten far enough away from the truck, far enough away from the road, will tell you that, you know, you better be prepared for some suck, right? It's gonna, you're going to have to hike. You're going to have to cross a river occasionally. You're going to have to carry out a heavy load occasionally. And, and you may not be able to breathe very well. 
and, and there's there's no painting a, a good why someone would want to tell people oh I like that bullcrap if that's what you want to get if that's where you want to go be prepared for that that's just that that's what it comes down to yeah I absolutely see where you're coming from and don't get me wrong I'm on board with you I, I just like I'm big into I'm big into the don't you dare put a limit on my potential show me how to do it right and point me in the right direction it's like when I talk to people about the fact that that I you know me and the hundred pound bow okay it's gonna suck until you acclimate to drawing a hundred pounds with no let off you know I didn't just jump into that but I tell you what I got it back to my face by willpower alone until it became easy you know and I'm a I guess what I get what I'm getting at because I'm kind of spinning off on your point because I'm with you you know don't put a limit on somebody's potential you should be inspiring them to get to that next level because they'll never regret being over prepared exactly a hundred a hundred percent with you on that too because like I said anybody who's ever told me I couldn't do something or told me that that wasn't possible that's that's I'm one of those guys that feeds off that as well you know it's it's Tell me I can't do something and, and be serious about it because if you're just going to screw around, I understand you're screwing around, but if somebody's seriously telling you, no, this is not a place for you or this is not something you should be doing, um, if it's not, you know, a life-threatening deal or that, that that's true, yeah, there's no limitations here. There's, you know, we can see with technology advancements and people achieving new things and new records and, and, and seeing what the mind and the body are capable of, seeing new things every day. Anybody that puts a limit on somebody else, that, I mean, shame on them. But that, <clears throat> especially with hunting, why? Well, I mean, we're 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 poking fun at each other again, right? We're we're not on the same. We're not being on the same team. We're not supporting each other. If that's what some people want to do, if they want to go sleep in the woods for 20 days and you know and, and live off the land and and hunt and 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 starve maybe and be cold and and have to cross rivers, if that's what they want to do, then why judge them? Why put a limitation on Why put a ceiling on it? I don't know. You know, I'm a big fan of the Valkyrie, the warrior woman. Okay. Like, we're going to get explicit rating here. I'm not married, okay? But what I look for in a mate is I want to be mating with a badass bitch, okay? I want an independent, motivated woman that can take care of herself and take care of business so that I don't have to worry about fucking protecting her. I want somebody in my life that I can count on and that doesn't take any shit from anybody, let alone me. So I'm all about the female hunter-athlete, beastress type culture. If there are any women listening to this, listen, stop fucking around and get serious because the grim reaper doesn't care what your gender is and death comes for us all you know it's it's as simple as a woman can do anything that a man can do she is just gonna have to physically work harder 
to overcome her limitations. It's um, there's a great article. Um, Karen Campbell is a woman that hunts with a 70-pound longbow and actually killed an Australian water buffalo at a very close range with a 70-pound longbow. Okay? So, how about this? There is no room for screwing around. If you want something, don't ever let anyone put limitations on your potential. It will be hard, but guess what? I had to figure this out the hard way. There are things in life that are supposed to suck. Okay? You will never get good at anything until you suck at something long enough to where you don't suck at it anymore. So there's really, you know, I'm all about the warrior woman culture, truthfully. Because I want somebody that can take care of themselves. You know, I want somebody that can do things. I want somebody that is a motivated individual. And so any women that might be listening to this, listen, I'm on your side, but you have to be a Valkyrie. <clears throat> yeah, you better bring your A-game, ladies, is what Tex is saying, because you better have your, your big girl panties on, better bring your A-game, and... And come with it, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, when women ask me, when women want to get into archery, a lot of it's got to do with, you know, the whole trad life thing. I always recommend women in archery getting into it through the traditional route. And I don't tell them, buy a, you know, 40, or I don't tell them buy a 30-pound bow. You know, I don't insult them. When I get women into archery, I tell them to buy a 55-pound recurve bow. Why? Because their draw length is shorter. So by the time that they get the bow back to their actual full draw, they're going to be sitting at about 47, 45 pounds. So they're not wasting any money on a bow that isn't actually going to be able to kill an animal. You know, that isn't going to be not good enough to get the job done. And also, I tell these young women that talk to me about this, listen, there's no other way of doing it other than get that thing back to your face on willpower alone until it becomes easy. Because guess what? You can do it. Don't let anybody tell you, oh, you need this lighter bow just because you're a girl no screw that you know it's as simple as anatomically you need a heavier bow because your draw length is shorter so you're not going to get all 55 pounds they also have you know anatomical issues in some cases so they need a real steep string angle so that it clears their breast. What's nice about traditional bows in the draw cycle, while I'm on this topic, what's nice about traditional bows in the draw cycle is the further you get away from the bow, the heavier it becomes, rather than with a compound bow, you hit the you hit your breaking over your cams. Okay? So you can literally resistance train someone 
on a recurve bow and they will grow into that but yeah, yeah. It's, a diff it's different it's a different uh, you're right the draw cycle is different because it the more you draw the more it stacks and the compound you got to get on with it right away you know in that first third or so first third to half of the draw cycle with a compound you know and so that's that's where I'm coming from with like the whole female <clears throat> hunter listen and when I use the term when I use the term badass bitch I use it in the sense of I want a she-wolf okay you know the North Roman members and all that shit pop culture reference that's that's one hell of a description. And on that note, we are running out of time. So this has been the Natural Born Hunter podcast. Thank you very much for coming on, Tex. Go check out Tex Grebner Outdoors on YouTube. Uh, big congratulations to Phil for this weekend's win. Don't forget to check out mountainops.com or getmountainops.com. Enter the coupon code NBH20 at checkout for 20% off. And go to Maven Optics mavenbuilt.com to get a free gift with the order when you enter the coupon code NBHGIFT at checkout. Uh, other than that, you can also meet Phil, you know, congratulate him, high five him in person at No Limits Archery uh, just outside there, just inside the Denver metro area. Uh, anything else? No. Um, yeah, we'll continue this conversation, Tex. I, I want to get your take, especially after Train to Hunt. With with it, you know, you going up to Pennsylvania being your first event, as uh, as a as a tr traditional ex experience it from the traditional side and a newbie. So I, I definitely we'll catch up again. Uh, thanks for coming on and, and yeah, running up against the time issue here. But Will, that's all I got, man. All right, ladies and gentlemen, wake up, chase your dreams, repeat. <laughs>